Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports development, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that the MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today and use your mobile device to join and use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your Miami Dolphins, part of the Believe Network. I am Sam Marcoux, and he is not the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about the good doctor himself, Dr. Christopher Colon, on assignment yet again, traveling the world, I believe, this week, which is fine and dandy. Uh, It's just fine. I'll just do this by myself, Chris, Dr. Colon. Uh, But that's all right. What's up, citizens of Perfectville? Sam Marcoux, riding solo yet again not my favorite thing to do but still podcasting still bringing you that Miami Dolphins coverage here this week a week after the NFL draft which I am uh, I'm still recovering my shoulder hurts I don't even know why my shoulder hurts I think uh probably clapping hard at all the jet faux pas over the years when they show those highlights of me just clapping and laughing uh might have torn my rotator cuff not exactly sure what's going on but we got some news uh about the miami dolphins we got people that are signing contracts we have uh the throw uh the 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 san francisco 49ers have the catch i guess we have the throw from Tua tunga bailoa to tyreek hill been viewed over three million times as of recording uh, one single fucking pass in practice and uh, people are losing their minds. It's uh, it's quite incredible. We'll talk all about that. We'll talk about uh, the running backs room. I'm going to give my predictions what I think is going to happen with this roster. I mean, we have signed so many uh, weapons uh, on offense this offseason that uh, something's got to give, ladies and gentlemen. We're not going to keep all these receivers. We're not going to keep all these running backs. We're not going to keep all these quarterbacks even. So we're going to jump all into all of that and so much more here on uh, this episode of Perfectville. Like I said, running by myself here, but uh, it allows me to just give my unfiltered, unadulterated views on all things Miami Dolphins. So let's start with the actual news. News that matters, ladies and gentlemen. Sony Michelle, formerly of the New England Patriots, formerly of the Los Angeles Rams, two-time, yes, two-time Super Bowl winner, Signs with the Miami Dolphins on a one-year contract worth something like 2.1 to 2.6 million, depending on what you believe. Uh, coming into what used to be a very bare running back room is now relatively full. You've got Chase Edmonds, formerly of the Arizona Cardinals, Raheem Mostert, formerly of the San Francisco 49ers, and now Sony Michelle, formerly of the Los Angeles Rams. We are one Seahawk signing away from grabbing all the starting running backs of the NFC West last year. So to Michelle, uh, sneaky signing. He came in last week. He's a local guy, so he has an affinity for South Florida. Um, But uh, he comes in with a little bit of a different skill set than both Chase Edmonds 
and Raheem Mostert. So uh, makes the running back room a little bit deeper. Some people are saying he's not guaranteed to make the team, and I guess that's true. But I think there's probably a better chance that he makes the team and the incumbents in Miles Gaskin and Suvan Ahmed do not because at some point something has to give. And I don't think it's a good sign if you're Miles Gaskin and you have been the starting running back for the last two or three seasons and the new coach comes in and says, we're going to emphasize running the ball and then goes out and signs at least three veteran running backs that do what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, that's not a good sign if you're Miles Gaskin, right? Like you have to look at the writing on the wall and go, oh, I think my time here may be coming to an end. And perhaps it's time to dust up the old resume and find another place to play ball because I don't think Miles Gaskin is going to make this team here in 2022. It just looks like they're not. I mean, they even drafted, or at least they signed an undrafted running back here in the in the draft last week. Is a care whoever that guy was out of South Carolina, Z White. Let's just say that. Um, so it doesn't look to me like Miles Gaskin, barring an injury prior to cutdown day, is uh, long for the Miami Dolphins world. It doesn't look like his skill set is anything that uh, our coaching staff uh, is enamored with. And uh, that's why they keep bringing in these veterans. I mean, Sony Michelle coming in uh, can pass block, you know, does a really good job with that. Uh, Sony Michelle can run the ball. I mean, he's, he's a sneaky good player and he can catch out of the backfield. So he can be a little bit of a safety valve, much like Chase Edmonds. Uh, and much like Raheem Mostert, just maybe uh, a different body type, different build. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. I, I think having that three-headed monster, if you will, very talented, underrating, sneaky signings um, is something that's uh, going to help the Miami Dolphins more than people, I think, maybe give it credit for. I mean, it's sexy to talk about Tyree Hill, you know, Jalen Waddell, and uh, what Tua Tungabailoa is going to do in his third year making that leap. But if you look at what we've done with the running game, I think that's going to be the glue that holds all of this together. And I was thinking about the running backs room in general, uh, ladies and gentlemen. And, and I think this is an area that is going to be focused on continuously in the Mike McDaniel era. And what I mean by that is I don't know if we're ever going to go get that bell cow running back. I don't know if we're going to have a Barry Sanders type or a Derrick Henry type or anybody like that, where you're going to give the ball to them 400 times like we used to with Ricky Williams and say, go win us a ball game. But I do think we're looking at the running game as a collective and saying this should set up the pass. We will be more successful with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and all these other weapons and to a tongue of Iloa, quite frankly, if we can figure out how to effectively use a running game. And if you look at what they've done, they've signed three free agents, right? Chase Edmonds was the first signing that we had. Raheem Mostert is a guy that Niner fans to this day are still kicking themselves going, man, I wish he was still back with us. And then of course, now Sody Michelle, kind of one of those under the radar, third tier wide uh, running back uh, free agents that we signed. We tried to get uh, a couple of rookie running backs in the draft. They just didn't fall to us, right? They got drafted prior to us being able to pick. And if you look at the way that the contracts are structured, so Miles Gaskin, if he makes a team, has one year left. Suvan Ahmed was an exclusive rights free agent. It made no sense to deny those rights if you have them exclusively. So he's here for the time being. Chase Edmonds has a two-year contract. Raheem Mostert has a one-year contract. Sony Michelle, one-year contract. These are not long-term commitments. We are dating these running backs. We aren't committed to marrying them yet, if, that, if I could use an analogy. And I think the reason why that is, is they're probably looking at what their options could be going into next year, what their options were coming into this year's draft. 
didn't work out for the draft this year. So they kind of punted, said, well, let's just go get another veteran in Sonny Michelle. He fits what we're looking to do. And then next year, you do have a running back in the draft named Bijan Robinson out of Texas, who if he were actually to come out this year, which he wasn't eligible to, but if he were to come out this year, would have been the first running back off the board. You know, you can talk all you want about Kenneth Walker and Isaiah Spiller and all these other guys that went. It would have been Bijan Robinson, hands down. Best running back in college football. As long as he stays healthy, he will be the best running back available next season. And maybe, just maybe, the Miami Dolphins are doing their best to put a Band-Aid on this running back room right now, but give themselves the flexibility to go out and get a Bajan Robinson next year. But either way, if that plan doesn't work out, or if Bajan just falls off, or somebody else drafts him before we're able to next season, the Miami Dolphins and where they're looking right now seem hell-bent on making the running game work in Miami and setting up the pass and having all the success based off of whatever this running game is going to look like, you know, whether we're going to have our quote unquote Debo or whether or not we're going to use Tyreek in that, you know, as a running back, as well as Jalen Waddle in terms of like the, you know, that wide running back uh, wide receiver type thing. Not sure. What I do know is that they aren't done and will never be done churning and looking for the right fit. That doesn't mean we're going to be, you know, signing a new running back every single week or anything like that, but short-term commitments right now to allow themselves flexibility to go upgrade that position later. Uh, very shrewd by Chris Greer, Mike McDaniel, and the entire Miami Dolphins staff. Uh, and again, looking at the roster and how it's constructed right now, barring any injuries, my prediction for this running back room, because you also have Alec Ingold, who's your fullback, right? One, another guy that we signed who can pass block, catch the ball out of the backfield, run in short yardage situations, bringing back the fullbacks, making fullbacks great again are the Miami Dolphins. They have another guy too, whose name I forgot. I think he was on the Packers prior, prior to signing with us. They are dedicated to making the running game work. And when you bring in all of these running backs, that tells everyone, this is what we're doing. It also puts people on notice who are already here. Again, going back to Miles Gaskin, my prediction, Miles Gaskin is not on the Miami Dolphins 53-man roster come week one of the 2022 season, which speaking of which, the actual schedule will be released later this week. Uh, I won't be here to analyze that until next week, which is why I'm doing this podcast now. Um, but if I had to make a prediction, and we'll just put it on wax, as the kids say, the Miami Dolphins are going to get three primetime games. I mean, Tyreek Hill changes that for us. You know, you're going to see Monday night. You're going to see Sunday night. You're going to see possibly a Thursday night. We're going to get minimum three primetime games. I think people are very interested in what the Miami Dolphins are doing. They're very interested in what Mike McDaniel has got cooking in the kitchen here in uh, South Florida. And uh, because of that and more, you'll see more Miami Dolphins featured coverage on the national media side in terms of primetime games. Um, that's my official prediction. We'll see if I'm right once the full season is uh, released on Thursday, May 12th. Uh, but the running backs, Miles Gaskin, I think will be gone. Suvan Ahmed, slim chance he stays on, but I think he's going to be gone as well. I think we are going to run with Chase Edmonds, Sony Michelle, and Raheem Mostert. Pun totally intended with running with those three. Um, you don't sign those guys if you're not planning on using them and deploying them in that way. We'll also supplement that run game with Alec Ingold. I think we'll also supplement that, in, uh, that uh, running game with uh, creative uses of our wide receivers, whether that's Tyreek Hill, uh, the talented rookie out of Texas Tech, Jalen Waddle, or some sort of combination thereof. Not quite sure yet, but that's just my prediction. I know going out on a limb, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to use the players that we have. But um, for all you Miles Gaskin fans out there, you know, you might have an obscure jersey before too long. Jersey Obscura, 
number 37, uh, Miles Gaskin. Probably not long for this Miami Dolphins world, in my opinion. Speaking of my opinion, because this is my show and my opinion, I can say whatever the hell I want. Uh, I also want to take a look at the wide receivers. Like I said, we're, we have signed and traded for so many people that at some point, it's going to squeeze down. We just cannot keep all of these players. And if you look at how Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan and everybody's run offenses out in San Francisco and their other stops, you don't see a lot of five wide receiver sets. You don't see a lot of four wide receiver sets. You see a lot of tight end, creative uses of the tight end, creative uses of the running backs, and two and three wide receivers on the field. Um, Mike Kosicki, very talented pass-catching wide receiver, or a tight end, I should say. He wishes he was a wide receiver. He'd be getting $6 million more per season. Um, but Mike Kosicki is going to see the field in, in passing downs. You've got a bunch of running backs that we just talked about that can catch the ball out of the backfield and pass block. You're going to need that, especially if anybody on the offensive line doesn't do what they're supposed to be doing. You're going to want extra protection for Tua Tungavailoa back there, which means you have limited spots on the field for wide receivers. Now, if you look at the wide receiver room for the Miami Dolphins, you've got Tyreek Hill. He's going to be on the field as often as you possibly can utilize him. That's a no-brainer. You got Jalen Waddle, rookie receptions record holder last season, uh, already a proven entity, somebody that people have to game plan and scheme for on, on the defensive side of the ball. He's going to be on the field as often as you can possibly utilize him. So that's your number one, and there's your number two, if you want to call it that. You also signed Cedric Wilson, right? He was one of the first receivers that you did sign. Uh, you're going to be able to use him creatively. He can run the ball. He can throw the ball. He can catch the ball. He can run with the ball. Um, he gets separation out there. That is imperative in a Mike McDaniel offense is to be able to get separation from the defender so you can catch the ball and turn and run real fast towards the end zone. Um, so there's your number three right there. So Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Cedric Wilson. You also spent draft capital, which you had very little of, on a wide receiver, Eric Enduzibur, blah, 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 out of Texas Tech. Big-bodied guy, very Devontae Parker-esque in terms of his size, how he bodies out defenders to catch the ball. And um, you know, even I think his 40 time was very similar to what Devontae Parker's was back in the day. Uh, and he can run after he has the ball in his hands. So another key element that you need to be successful in a Mike McDaniel-style offense. At best, He's your number four wide receiver, at least to start the season. Again, he's a guy that you can deploy in many different ways. He could be used in the running game. He could be used you know, as somebody down in the red zone, which is what I predict he's going to be used early. He's a big body guy that you could put down there with Mike Kosicki and just let Tua throw the ball up in the air and say, go get it. Um, that's how I think he'll be most successful, to at least to start the season. But he could grow into something much more than that. And hopefully he does. He is a fourth round pick. He is not the perfect uh, prototype wide receiver in many ways. Uh, he does drop some easy balls that he should not, but he catches some balls that he probably should not either kind of washes itself out. The point is really, really good, strong possibility that he's making the team as your fourth wide receiver in an offense that doesn't really do a lot of four wide receiver sets or five wide receiver sets. So his playing time is going to come in situational football and possibly forbid, but if it were to happen, knock on wood, any sort of injury to your top three. That's how he's going to get playing time. So you now have four wide receivers that I think are set. And now <laughs> comes the chase. Typically, teams keep five wide receivers. You're starting to see them keep six now. They're keeping one less quarterback. They don't have fullbacks as often as we possibly have in the past. So you're, you're seeing people start to leverage that and use six wide receivers on their roster. 
Uh, I don't know if the Miami Dolphins have that flexibility or not, given the fact that they do seem hell-bent on having a fullback. Um, so that extra roster spot that you would have for offense seems to be allocated for the running backs in terms of a fullback versus wide receiver. But let's just say, max, the Miami Dolphins have six wide receivers. The top four are set. And now you've got all these other guys, right? You've got Trent Sherfield, who has experience with Mike McDaniel in San Francisco. You've got another guy whose name I can't even remember right now, who has experience with Mike McDaniel in San Francisco. We had two or three undrafted free agent rookies that we drafted as wide or that we signed um, that are wide receivers. You've got Lynn Bowden Jr., who's looking to make his mark. He was a former third round pick. If, if you guys remember by the Raiders before being traded to us has a lot of gadget plays to him, uh, some trickeration, if you will, that uh, could be a guy that you have a couple of packages specifically to get the ball in his hands and see what he can do out there. He's in play for that fifth wide receiver spot. Um, you also have the unicorn Preston Williams, who came back on a one-year contract. You know, if he stays healthy, we all know what he can do. The key is, could he stay healthy? He never got out of Brian Flores' doghouse, and he never saw the field. But there's no denying the talent. So they have at least five to six different wide receivers competing for, at best, two spots. And at worst, probably one spot. And more realistically, probably one spot. So what it really boils down to is who's going to get that last spot on the active roster? You know, is it going to be somebody like Lynn Bowden or Preston Williams, or is it going to be somebody like they, Trent Sherfield that they just brought in from another organization because he's got familiarity, can play special teams, things of that nature. And really that's what it's going to boil down to. I think so if you're the fifth wide receiver on a Miami dolphins team that has three wide receiver sets as their base package. And most of the time, how are you going to stand out? How do you make this team? And it's going to have to be in special teams, in my opinion. Um, so if I had to make a prediction, just like I said, Miles Gaskin is probably gone. I think Preston Williams is probably gone. I mean, he's got the one-year contract. I just don't see how he's making this team with his skill set. I think we drafted his replacement, if you will, in the fourth round of the NFL draft, as well as Devontae Parker's. We have that rolled into one guy. Um so I don't think Preston Williams makes this team as it stands right now. I mean, there's no reason to get rid of him yet because you need training camp bodies. And if something were to happen to somebody ahead of him on the depth chart, then his chances of making this team go way up. But I just don't see him making this team. I also don't know that Lynn Bowden makes it. Now, Lynn Bowden's got a lot of talent. He's, he's an interesting prospect, if you will. And he seems to have a really, really, really good relationship with your starting quarterback to a tongue of Iloa. And that may keep him on this team, maybe as a six wide receiver, if we decide that we want to go that route. But I think Trent Sherfield, there's a reason they brought him in. Um, I think he's a guy uh, and Craycroft is another one or Craycroft or whatever his name is. Um, another former San Francisco 49er, but Trent Sherfield, if you watched him play a little bit last year, he can play special teams. He can actually catch the ball in a pinch. He knows the system. He obviously likes Mike McDaniel. He followed him over here to Miami. Uh, River Craycroft is the other guy's name. You're seeing me think in real time, ladies and gentlemen, or at least hearing it. Um, but that's where my money is. I think it's going to be Trent Sherfield as your fifth wide receiver. And then it becomes, you know, do the Miami Dolphins keep a sixth? I don't think they do. I don't think they're going to have the ability to. But if they did, then maybe Lynn Bowden Jr. is your sixth. Um, but for everyone thinking that Lynn Bowden is our new Debo Samuel, 
Uh, I don't think so. I mean, much like Debo Samuel, Lynn Bone Jr. probably will not be a Miami Dolphin in 2022 once the regular season starts. Um, it's just it's simple math, ladies and gentlemen. We cannot keep all these players. Some are camp bodies. Some will be you know cut and 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 catch on with other teams. We may look back and go, man, we let that guy go. He's doing a fantastic job for I don't know the Bengals or whoever. But um, we're just not going to be able to keep them all. I think the top four wide receivers are already tied up. The top three running backs are already tied up. And barring any sort of injury, there's not a lot of wiggle room for the back half of this roster. And by the way, I am not complaining. Lest anybody think I'm complaining about this problem, I'm not. One of the things that I've brought up before that I think has gone somewhat unchecked and unnoticed is that Mike McDaniel seems to be building a roster along with Chris Greer and others that says, how do we get better? And you don't necessarily get better by filling the back end of the roster. You get better by challenging the paradigm, challenging who your starters are and saying, okay, this is my starter at this position. Can I go get somebody who's equal or better than that and make my roster better? Because what that does is it pushes that starter that maybe is a C player down to a backup or from backup to third string. And it makes you stronger from the top down as opposed from the bottom up. It's a different philosophy than what we've seen. We've seen a lot of uh, coaches and GMs come through here that, you know, say, these are my starters. I'm going to build around these starters. And then I'm just going to fill in the back end of the roster to support those starters. That is a way to do it as well. It's not the way I like to do it. I actually really appreciate the approach that Mike McDaniel's doing, which is let's challenge who the starters are and let's get better starters. Let's get people that are actually playing the majority of these snaps. Let's get better players. You know, what a concept, right? So when you look at this, it's not like I'm complaining about these issues. You know, if you have your top four wide receivers set and you have Hall of Fame talent and Tyreek Hill, uh, rookie of the year type talent and Jalen Waddell and fantastic pieces like Cedric Wilson and, and others, that's a great problem to have. You want to have the problem of, man, I don't know who my fifth wide receiver is because I have all this talent as opposed to this guy's my fifth wide receiver because we don't have anybody else. So it's a good problem to have. But nonetheless, it will be a problem. Cutdown day will come. Uh, the Turk will be bringing the playbook. And uh, we're going to see some familiar names, I think, on offense go bye-bye. <clears throat> Goodbye from Perfectville, if you will. Now, the quarterback room seems a little more clear-cut and dry, right? Tua is our starter. Um, even if you didn't like the pass and OTAs to Tyreek Hill, I cannot believe that that has been seen like 3.5 million times. I mean, it just shows you that above all else, you've got the NBA playoffs going on, NHL playoffs going on. You've got Major League Baseball in full swing, including no hitters and just amazing baseball uh, games that are happening every single night. And uh, you're seeing a wobbly, possibly underthrown pass in May from the starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins get close to 4 million views because uh, people want to debate whether or not this means our season is fucked or not. Um, this is a football country when it comes to sports, is it not? I mean, there was, there was some amazing hockey games that went into overtime last night. There was a no-hitter by the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, and everyone's like, did you see Tua's pass to Tyreek? It seemed underthrown. I think we're screwed. I think I'm going to change my projections from 11 and 6 to you know, 6 and 11 now. It's like unbelievable just how much football dominates the sports landscape. It's, uh, it's absolutely crazy. And it doesn't surprise me, but at the same time, always amazes me uh, just how much football is king um but two is your starter wobbly underthrown pass aside uh, teddy bridgewater is your backup and uh, i think it's been explained to him as to what his role is and of course we've got uh, a camp body i i can't imagine we're going to keep three quarterbacks 
you know, our seventh round draft pick whose name I can't even remember anymore. And I was supposed to actually Skylar Thompson. I was supposed to actually call him out on stage. If you listen to the last episode of Perfectville, but Skylar Thompson is your, I think, practice squad developmental QB, if you will. I don't see him making the, the, the roster, but no surprises there. Um, and then you get to the tight ends and the Miami Dolphins. That's the one position. If you look at everything with maybe the exception of center, the tight ends room is the one position that Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer did not touch this off season, which I find fascinating. I mean, yes, we had to sign people back. Uh, we had to get people back in the room. Uh, Mike is obviously with the franchise tag Durham Smythe on a contract, but it's the same group of people that we had last year coming into this year. We didn't upgrade. Like we just talked about with wide receivers, running backs, you can make a case with the quarterback room. You know, the one thing that we didn't do was, you know, we did kind of fill out the back end of that roster with Teddy Bridgewater replacing uh, Jacoby Brissett tight ends exactly the same as last year. And why I think that's important is that that's very telling when you have an offensive minded guy who comes in and goes, I need to change the offensive line. I need to get quarterbacks. I need to get running backs. I need to get wide receivers, but I'm good with tight ends. Just give me those same tight ends from last year. That tells you a lot, I think. Um, so I don't anticipate many shocking changes there. I think you're going to see Hunter Long. I think you're going to see Durham Smythe. I think you're going to see Mike Kosicki. Reverse order, by the way, of uh, how I think we're going to be deploying those guys out there. It's going to be that same group. You know, those those three. You might get a fourth tight end in there, depending on how you uh, label certain players. Um, and then you have your offensive line, right? I'm not going to go through and, and, and tell you everybody that I think is going to stay on the line. I'm going to wait for Chris, and we're going to have that discussion and, and, and an educated one at that. But uh, I don't know that Sol- Solomon Kinley is probably not long for this world uh, for the Miami Dolphins. If you want a name that I'm going to predict won't be here, um, there's probably going to be a surprise cut on this offensive line. It would probably be somebody who was here previous to Mike McDaniel. I have a hard time thinking he's going to cut any of uh, the players that he signed. Clearly, Teron Armstead's not going anywhere. Uh, neither was Connor Williams. But um, Austin Jackson, don't know that he's going to be a starter. If he doesn't win the right tackle role over Liam Eichenberg, I don't know what Austin Jackson brings to the table other than a body. And quite frankly, we've got a lot of bodies, including some undrafted free agent bodies that uh, are intriguing. So... Maybe I'm being controversial. Maybe I'm just throwing this name out there for uh, people to go, whoa, but would not surprise me if Austin Jackson does not beat out Liam Eichenberg for the right tackle position. Would not surprise me if Austin Jackson is then no longer a Miami Dolphin. It's that clear cut and dry. It's a pass or fail for Austin Jackson at this point. If you can't do it at the left tackle position, you weren't great at the left guard position. You got a new scheme where it should be highlighting some of the things that you can do well. If you can't beat out a second-year player in Liam, then maybe Austin Jackson needs to go bye-bye and, and, and uh, take his talents elsewhere. So that's my bold prediction for the offensive line. I said I wasn't going to do it, but I did it anyway. Austin Jackson will not be a Miami Dolphin if he is not the starting right tackle for the Miami Dolphins. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the offensive side of the ball. A couple of people that I've just cut. I put on my GM hat. I became Chris Greer, and I put on the hat. It has not come off. And I just got rid of Miles Gaskin. I just got rid of Preston Williams, Lynn Bowden Jr. I just got rid of Austin uh, Austin Jackson, as well as uh, Solomon Kinley, too. One of my favorites. One of my favorite names and one of my favorite players from a couple of years ago. Uh, just, but tough decisions, man. People got to get cut every now and then. 
But uh, good stuff for the Miami Dolphins. Running back room is much better than it was uh, with the addition of Sony Michelle to those other two, Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert. Uh, the wide receiver room is deep, uh, so deep that we're going to have to cut some talented people. And of course, uh, it's it's nut cutting time for Austin Jackson, former first round pick. If he can't hack it on the right hand side of the line in this scheme with this coaching staff, that he can't hack it for the Miami Dolphins. And there you go. Let's 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 settle there. That seemed like a good spark part to end this first segment is uh, talking about Sony Michelle, talking about the offensive side of the ball, and uh, we're going to go. And we'll be back and we'll talk a little bit more Miami Dolphins right after these words. Citizens of Perfectville everywhere. Listen up. This is Sam Marcou from the Perfectville podcast. And this episode is brought to you in part by Auto Approve. Now, what is Auto Approve, you may ask? I'm so glad you would ask that. Auto Approve is an online service that makes vehicle refinancing easier and faster. And who doesn't want easier and faster in today's environment? Am I right? AutoProof connects vehicle owners with a network of top credit unions, banks, and finance companies to find the best available interest rates. Then helps handle the paperwork, simplifying the vehicle refinance process from beginning to end and putting more money back in your pocket. Take your tailgate to the next level with more money in your pocket. More money means better seats for all you doll fans out there. More money means another round with the boys. That's right. Hit the bar, drink some suds, then have another one with your buds. Make more money for game night with friends. More money for that new jersey. That's right. We've got Tyreek Hill. We've got Jalen Waddle. We've got Tua Tungabailoa. You guys need that money, that extra money. And what would you do with that money? I tell you what I'm doing. I am going to buy that jersey. I'm going to the Miami Dolphins games, and I'm spending some money at the casinos, betting that those Miami Dolphins are going to the Super Bowl. It's 55 to 1 odds, ladies and gentlemen. And that's what AutoApprove can do for you. More money back in your wallet. Not only will they save you thousands on your auto loan, but for all the listeners that are out there, refinance through AutoApprove, and they will send you $100 cash in your mailbox. That's right, 100 big ones. Mr. Benjamin, straight to your mailbox. And why are they doing this? Because they're solving problems, ladies and gentlemen. They're finding solutions to problems in your life. Most people are paying too much on their vehicle loan. In 2021, auto-approved customers saved on average $164 a month. Now, I'm no mathematician, ladies and gentlemen, but over 12 months, which is one year, that's thousands of dollars in savings that auto-approved is doing for you. They never mark up rates. The rate that the lender offers is the rate we pass on to you. What a service, ladies and gentlemen. With auto-approved, vehicle owners can lower their monthly payment, get a better rate, or both. Who wouldn't want both? That's having your cake and eating it too. To find out how much you can save and to claim your $100 cashback offer, visit autoapprovecom slash believe. That's autoapprovecom slash believe. And we're back. Sam Marku, no Chris Cullen, part of the Believe Network. Welcome to Perfect Bill. Live and in color, although by the time you listen to this, it will not be live and probably not in color because it's just an audio podcast. I'm not sure why I said that. Uh, we, we already talked about the offensive side of the ball. We talked about uh, who I consider to be uh, potential cuts early into the preseason side of this thing, OTAs, everything else. We talked a little bit about Tua Tungabailoa's duck to Tyreek Hill. That was still complete, by the way. I mean, people forget that part of it is wasn't so underthrown that Tyreek Hill couldn't catch the ball. Um, he still threw it. Tyreek Hill still caught it. I think things will be fine. I think we're going to be A-OK, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but again, it just shows that football is king in this in this country. 
Uh, and then we talked a little bit about the schedule. I gave my prediction that the Miami Dolphins will have at least three primetime games. Um, I am curious, though, a couple of things to think about with the schedule. I think the Miami Dolphins are going to be well-traveled. Um, with the exception of a few teams that are going overseas, the Miami Dolphins may have the most miles, at least domestically, uh, to travel than any other team in the NFL this year. I mean, they go to the West Coast a couple of times to play the Chargers, to play the San Francisco 49ers, and then I believe they also play... Um, is it Seattle or no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's the Cardinals. I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, or maybe it's the, I don't know. And they, they play another team on the West coast. Uh, so they got three games on the West coast. And when you are the furthest, most Southern Eastern Southeastern team, <laughs> that's a lot of miles. Um, I don't know what it means. Uh, what I do hope is that if they have, uh, a couple games on the West coast, they pair those back to back. We've seen that happen before. And I think that's just smart Just stay on the West coast, cut down on those travel miles, um, you know, get a hotel if you're going to be in San Francisco and then L.A. to play the Chargers the next week or vice versa. You just travel on down the road and, and practice out here, get get used to the weather, get used to the time zone, get used to all that fun stuff. I think those are smart strategies. If you're the Miami Dolphins, if you're going to the West Coast, you know, put that put that into the league office and say, hey, we're already going. Just put us back to back. Help us out a little bit if we can. Uh, you've seen the Miami Dolphins do stuff like that in the past, and I think it's been very successful. Um it would be nice to see the Buffalo Bills play Miami in Miami in September or early October. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine today, fellow comedian Jeremy Curry, actually been on the show before, and he's like, watch, week 18, we'll be in the snow in Buffalo, and we're just going to get housed again because we're going to be a cold-weather you know, game against a cold-weather team on the road. Uh, and I don't disagree with that. It seems like that's what happens as, as our, our opponents seem to get home field advantage. And then the home field advantage that the Miami Dolphins have, which is very real. If you've ever been to a home game in October or September, there is a tangible difference on one sideline to the other in terms of heat, in terms of humidity. And uh, I think the Miami Dolphins should have that advantage. I mean, I think it's better when you actually have those types of advantages in football. I mean, if we're going to go to Buffalo in December or January, then they damn well better be coming to Miami in September or October. And let them be oppressed by that heat and humidity and see what they can do. But there's a lot of different things out there. A lot of rumors that the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins are playing week one. I hope they are. And I hope it's in Miami. That's what I hope. If they are playing the Bills week one, I hope it's in Miami. I'd like to see this test right away. What can our offensive players do against that Buffalo Bills defense, which is mean and nasty? What can our defense do with the addition of Channing Tindall and perhaps just some additional seasoning uh, against Josh Allen and that Buffalo Bills offense. Buffalo Bills are favored to win the Super Bowl this year, at least be the representative coming out of the AFC. I'd like to punch them right in the mouth right away. Put them 0-1, get them on their heels, jump out with that momentum, and take off from there. I think that'd be a fantastic storybook opening for the Miami Dolphins in 2022. Uh, if they don't play Buffalo, I hope and pray we do not play New England. <laughs> I'm so sick of the New England Patriots week one. I think we've done that the last two seasons, and it seems like it's every single year we play the Patriots week one, whether it's in Miami or New England. I don't want to see the New England Patriots week one. I also don't want to see the New England Patriots week 18. You know, Can we just have a New England Patriots game in like November and just call it good? I have one in October, one in November. Thank you very much. Please leave me alone. Fuck you, Mac Jones, and let's just move on. I, don't want, I want to see Buffalo. 
or nobody from the AFC East week one. That's it. I want to see Buffalo or, you know, give me the Chicago Bears or give me the Chargers or give me the Niners. You know, if I have to go on the road, let's just fly out to San Francisco week one and take care of that. I'd be more than happy with that. I just don't want to see the New England Patriots week one. I'm sick of that. It's like freaking Groundhog's Day. Um, I do think we're going to see some primetime games. I, I do think Tyreek Hill is uh, he's a showman. I think he's going to show up and show out on those primetime games. I'm excited. I think the rumor is that we're going to see the uh, Green Bay Packers week nine on Monday Night Football. If that is true, that's going to be a fantastic. Uh, if we do have the Thanksgiving game against the Detroit Lions, uh, recently Miami Dolphins history on Thanksgiving, be it the Cowboys or the Lions, has been very, very good for the Miami Dolphins. So I'm excited about that. Nothing would make me happier than to eat some uh, some fake turkey because I'm a vegetarian, sit back and uh, get fat on Thanksgiving while the Miami Dolphins get fat on some Detroit Lions on uh, Thanksgiving night. So I'm um, looking forward to that schedule coming out. If I had to take a look at this right now, I know who we're going to be playing. There's so many factors that go into uh, predicting a record, right? Um, the talent versus talent, uh, home games versus away games, when you play those home games, when you play those away games, and of course the X factor of injuries. But I'm looking at this and I, and I see that the Miami Dolphins have had two winning seasons in a row. They haven't made those playoffs. They did make a change and uh, identify that despite those two winning seasons in a row, they really didn't have a good offensive identity. They really didn't have uh, the right pieces on offense to be sustainably good for a long time. Uh, some of it was smoke and mirrors. Some of it was gimmicks. Some of it was just a very timely defense getting turnovers, but that's how you win games. And if you can add to that, if you can you know, add to your luck, if you will, then you'll be better. And I think the Miami Dolphins are better on offense. So I'm going to look at this. And again, I'm already making predictions of who's been cut on offense. I'm not going to make a prediction without knowing what the schedule is that the Miami Dolphins will get double digit wins in 2022. Now, that means as little as 10 and as many as 17, I suppose. So that's kind of a wide window to jump out of. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it. the Miami Dolphins will have double digit wins in 2022. I think they beat the Jets twice. I think they probably split with the Patriots, and that's going to be okay. I know we swept them last year, but we probably split with the Patriots, and I think it's going to be okay because I think we're also going to finally break through to the other side and beat the Buffalo Bills, beat Josh Allen for only the second time since he came into the league and split with the Buffalo Bills. That puts us at 4-2 and two in the division, and anytime you have a winning record in your division – you are sitting pretty and much better chance of making the playoffs for obvious reasons. We were four and two last year with sweeping the Patriots and the Jets. We didn't make the playoffs, so it's not an exact science, but I think we can beat the Bills, we can beat the Patriots, and we can smash the Jets two times over. That's a really good place for the Miami Dolphins to be. I say 10 wins, no less, possibly more, and the Miami Dolphins make the playoffs. It's going to be a fun year to be a Miami Dolphins fan. It's going to be a fun year to be a citizen of Perfect Bill. It's going to be a fun year to talk shit to Buffalo Bills fans, Jets fans, and Patriots fans because uh, it is flying. The fur is flying on Twitter and Reddit and all these different places, but uh, to sit back and enjoy, ladies and gentlemen. So I think the Miami Dolphins are, uh, are coming in like a hammerhead shark and about to just knock some people in the head with the flathead side of that. So uh, that's all I got. I just wanted to check in, make sure that everybody's aware that I'm aware 
that you're aware that I'm aware that the podcast keeps going. Welcome to Perfectville, Sony Michelle. Goodbye from Perfectville to all those people that I just cut off the team earlier in this episode. And uh, enjoy the schedule release. Enjoy OTAs. Enjoy wobbly, underthrown passes. It's no big deal, ladies and gentlemen. Take a breath, take a shot, and move on with your lives. And with that, with nothing else left to say, on behalf of Chris Cullen, myself, the entire Believe Network, only thing left to say is goodbye from Perfect Bill. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.